Knowing that this series has been coming for a while, I've been reflecting on what it is about Richmond that initially drew me to the community. Now, I joke pretty regularly in conversation with people and also from up the front that the coffee here was one of the main things that drew me in. Uh, and that certainly plays a part in the building of the community that we love so much. But if I had to summarise what it was that initially drew me to Richmond, I think I could sum it up in three things. The first would be a focus on King Jesus and love for the Bible. The second would be a drive not just to be community, but to be family to one another. Uh, and the third would be the conviction to live out the Bible's command to love our neighbours. And little did I know at the time I started coming along to Richmond about two and a half years ago, that these three things were the basis of our value statements. In fact, I only discovered that they were our value statements when I was being inducted into my role here. But I saw it coming through in what was said uh, from up the front up here, but also what was lived out in your lives. For those of you who were part of the community when I started coming, I saw these things in you. I heard stories of people reading the Bible together. I saw acts of amazing love and care for one another above and beyond any other community that I had ever been in. And I also saw people serving and working with and for the local community. Uh, and I saw all of this in your lives, and I decided that I wanted in. I wanted to be a part of a community that was doing all of these things. And so I wonder, as we begin to journey through our Richmond values, what it was that initially drew you to Richmond? What was it about the community here that you saw and decided you wanted in? Whether you've been coming for a few weeks or for many years, what was it about Richmond? Perhaps it was some similar reasons to me, or perhaps it was something completely different. Perhaps it was maybe one reason more than some others, so perhaps you were in need of community at the time, or you were looking for a church that loved the Bible and sought to live it out in real and tangible ways. But I wonder how many of you know that it can be hard over time, once you settle into a church, to remember what it was that first drew you in, because you start to see the cracks and the gaps in this building's case, both figuratively and literally. Uh, we patched some of them up over there, but when I first started coming, there were some cracks in the walls so bad that I was concerned about the stability of the building. <laughs> hey, we got an engineer's report back and the building's fine, so you're safe, it's all good. But the longer you're in a church, you can start to think, like the honeymoon phase kind of wears off and you start to think, oh, these guys aren't perfect after all. There are actually some really annoying things about the community uh, that are just not getting done. Uh, and I want to say that I think we would be the first to own that. So, as we go through the values over the next few weeks, you might sense attention. On one hand, we are already living these values out, but on the other hand, we're doing so imperfectly. There's room to grow. And that was actually one of the other things that attracted me to Richmond. There was no pretense of perfection here, like some other churches that I'd been in. Richmond has a desire to do the best we possibly can in following Jesus at any given time with the resources we have. And we acknowledge that we don't always do that perfectly. And so the invitation is for you not to sit back and watch other people try and figure it out, but to join us in the journey 
of living out these values in the fullest possible way this side of Jesus coming again. So that's the invitation for you as we journey over the next three weeks. Now, if you weren't here last week, it was Pentecost Sunday last Sunday, uh, the day that we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit and the birth of the church. And it's a miraculous story of how everybody heard about King Jesus in their own language, and many people came to faith. And a little bit further along in the story, Luke, the author of Acts, tells us how the Christians lived together in community. In Acts 2, 42 to 47, we read about what it looked like when the first followers gathered together. So I'm going to read Acts 2, 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who was in need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It sounds pretty familiar, right? Like, given how long ago that was, it kind of sounds like what we do. Like, we don't gather at the temple anymore, but otherwise it sounds pretty similar. And it's because our story is deeply connected to this story. We exist as a church here at Richmond because people have been continuing to gather around these practices for over 2,000 years. And this is the kind of community that we are invited to live in and to live out of. And I'm hoping that you'll see over the coming weeks the resonances between this passage and the values that we're unpacking. These values haven't been decided um, in a vacuum. They were actually, I think, I wasn't here when they were written, but I think they were a community um, thing that happened out of a family night from what I've heard. And so these didn't happen in a vacuum. They're so intertwined with the story of God's people gathering, not just here at Richmond, but over thousands of years. And so today, we're going to unpack a set of four values under the title Gather and Grow. And these values are about us gathering and growing together as we figure out together what it looks like to follow King Jesus. And as we work through each, I want you to think about two things. The first thing is, where do you see us living this out as a community? If you're visiting with us this morning, maybe you could uh, think about where you see these playing out in your community. They're so based out of the Bible that I think you'll see some resonances with your community and with what we're going to be sharing. So the first thing, where do you see us living this out as a community? And the second thing I want you to consider is how you see yourself living these out in your own life and how you contribute to the family, how you contribute these things to our family here at Richmond. Because one of the temptations and the traps that we can fall into is to look at a community that we're a part of and say, you're not doing that thing that you're supposed to be doing. But we really can't ask us that question without first confronting whether or not we are contributing to our community flourishing. Something that we all have to take responsibility for. So where do you see it happening in our community? And how are you contributing to it? So the first value is this. We are a community that is centred on Jesus, living in the power of his resurrection and the gift of his Holy Spirit, and joyfully anticipating 
his return. That is a huge statement, and each section of that statement could have its own sermon or probably sermon series. Uh, So I'm going to try and break it down in as short a time as possible. So let's start at the beginning, centred on Jesus. Our highest priority and our biggest claim is that Jesus is king and that this is his church. If we are a community centred on Jesus, what priority or filter does this put on how we live? How does it shift what we prioritise and how we operate? Here's what it doesn't mean. It means we are not centred around a cult following of Elliot's personality, or a particular brand, or pop culture, or a particular story that the world tells us about what it takes to be a certain kind of person. It means that who Jesus has revealed himself to be in the word and through his work in the world is who we depend on, rely on, and follow. It means that if it's a priority for Jesus, it becomes a priority for us. It means that we take seriously Jesus' command to love our neighbours and to care for those who are marginalised and to love the world around us while offering them a countercultural way to live. And we believe that none of this is possible without the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks and guides, confronts and prompts us into action. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us the strength we need to follow Jesus and the gifts we need to love the world. He is the personal presence of God with us, growing in us good fruit and making us more like Jesus. And we also live in the power of the resurrection. We believe that we have been crucified with Christ, that we have died to self and been raised with him, that we have life because of what Jesus' death and resurrection accomplished for us. So what does living in the power of the resurrection look like? Well, it looks like working towards peace, shalom, restoration, wholeness, and justice. It looks like having confidence that death is not the final word. And above all, it looks like living with hope. Hope for what? Hope for Jesus coming back again to put everything right. And so we anticipate Jesus' return, but we don't just anticipate it. We joyfully anticipate his return. I think for a long time, the idea of Jesus coming back again has seemed scary, or maybe even fearful. Uh, There's lots of reasons that this could be because there are so many unknowns or because the idea of judgment is so misunderstood. So why would we joyfully anticipate Jesus' return? I love the way Melinda puts it when she teaches about this. She says the phrase, more, not less. More, not less. If our view of what comes after is clouds and harps and endless hallelujah choruses, it's a little bit like, well, why would I want less than what I've got now? Why would I want less than the joyful things, good food, good friends, good, good company, good music, good art? Why would I want less than that? But the Bible paints a picture that the new creation will be so much more, not less, than our current experience on earth. Not only will we be free of pain and sickness and sorrow, but everything will be as it's meant to be. All the things will be put right. And so we live now in hope and with joyful anticipation of that day. But we don't just sit back and wait. 
this hopeful anticipation of all the things being put right should inform the way we live, the way we do community, and the way we do mission, which is what we're going to be exploring over the next two weeks. And so I want to ask again these questions. Where do you see us living this out as a community? What does it look like in your own life? And how are you contributing to it in our family here at Richmond? Just going to give you a moment to have a bit of a think about that. How do you see us living it out? And how are you contributing to it? All right, number two. We gather to celebrate the life and the hope we find in the good news of Jesus, worshipping, praying, sharing in communion, and practising baptism. Now, I wonder if you've ever looked around at church and thought, if it wasn't for Jesus, I probably wouldn't be friends with a lot of these people. I don't know if you've ever had that experience. Um, And I want to be clear, it's not because we don't like each other, uh, but because our lives and our passions and our interests are all so different that we probably wouldn't intersect with one another in any other spaces. And yet, here we find ourselves not gathering just because we enjoy each other's company, but because we've been united by a bigger story. The thing that gathers and unites us despite all of our differences is the good news of King Jesus' reign and the hope of the kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. We gather to celebrate life and hope found in Jesus, the life and the hope that we have because of his resurrection. Gathering together is a tradition the church has been participating in since the very beginning, since that first Pentecost Sunday. A significant part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus is to meet together in communities of Jesus followers. So just to pull a few of the sentences out of the Acts 2 passage again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to gathering together, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. So the early church gathered around the word, around communion, around prayer and around worship. And Acts tells us that many people were being baptised as a result of this. Now, how cool is it that we still gather around these things today, along with churches all around the world? And as we gather, we worship to honour King Jesus. We pray because we believe that God hears us and still speaks to us today. We participate in communion as an identity marker that we are accepted at God's table through Jesus' broken body and shed blood. And we celebrate baptism as an invitation into God's family. And baptism isn't just something that an individual does. As a community, we get to celebrate other people's public declaration of their belief in King Jesus and their commitment to follow him. And it also acts as a reminder to us about the commitment that we made at our own baptism. So again, where do you see us living this out as a community? What does it look like in your own life? And how are you contributing to it in our family? Number three, we are directed by the Bible, teaching and learning, encouraging and challenging one another as we figure out what it means to live as followers of Jesus in today's world. We are directed by the Bible. 
Now, to culture around us, this probably seems like a fairly outdated or even archaic thing to say. I can imagine being asked why we would let a book that's super old and not relevant to today's culture direct what we do. So why are we directed by the Bible? Well, we would say that we're directed by the Bible because we believe that it is God's word to us, that it has authority and an overarching grand narrative that shapes the way we live and the way we view the world. We believe that it offers encouragement, comfort and challenge that is profoundly countercultural, a better way to live that leads to flourishing life. And we engage with the Bible in a dynamic way, not as a flat text that has no relevance to us today, but as God's dynamic word to us. We fully affirm that God's word was to a particular people in a particular time and place, which means that we need to wrestle with and do the hard work of thinking through how it speaks to us in our time and space. And we want to keep wrestling with ideas about who God is and what he is doing in the world. And so we don't just look to the Bible divorced from what's going on around us. We believe that God speaks to us today and that the Bible has something to say to our Western 21st century culture. Theologian Karl Barth famously said that we should take the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other, but that we should always interpret the newspaper with the Bible. And this is what we're seeking to do as we look around at our world and ask God, what are you up to here and how are you calling us to be involved? And so we value the preaching of God's word. We value opening the Bible together in gospel groups and reading the Bible together one-on-one with another person. As a community, we want to grow in our Bible literacy. We want to become more familiar with the Bible. But this is not just to fill our heads so that we can get more knowledge about God, but rather so we can live more faithfully in relationship with him and to live out his call to love others. And I don't know whether you've noticed, but our love of our neighbourhood, our desire to love our neighbourhood well and our work for justice actually comes out of our love for the Bible. We don't choose between knowing the Bible well and loving others well. One flows from the other. The Bible teaches us about justice and what our response to injustice should be in the world. And I think our unease at what's not right about the world should send us back to the Bible to see what God says about it, to show us how to lament over it. We also value encouraging one another and also learning how to challenge one another and calling things out, calling behaviours out that we see in others that aren't in line with what God is calling us to do. It's not an easy thing to do, but I think it is something that we can grow in as a community. So where do you see us living this out as a community? What does it look like in your own life and how are you contributing to it in our family? All right, number four, last one. We seek to live for Jesus every day, pursuing God and inviting the Holy Spirit into all areas of our lives, not just on Sundays. So I think everything that we've unpacked so far in the first three values finds their feet here when we ask, what does it look like to live for Jesus to pursue God and to invite the Holy Spirit into every area of our life, not just remembering to do it on Sundays. Where Jesus' priorities become ours, 
where we pause during our weeks to consider how we can be more generous and hospitable and loving towards others. Where we actively pursue God rather than wait for the rare moments that he manages to break through all of the other noise. Where there aren't parts of our lives that are off-limit to the Holy Spirit, even if it means having to make hard decisions or to wrestle with some painful stuff. So where do you see us living this out as a community? What does it look like in your own life and how are you contributing to it in our family here at Richmond? This is the church that I want to be a part of, I don't know about you, but where everyone is on a journey, on the journey, together, wherever they're at, figuring out what it looks like to follow Jesus. But the thing is, we can only live this out as a community if we are also living it out personally. Our community doesn't get better at being centred on Jesus just because the pastoral team talks about it more. It comes from each of us living it out in our own lives and that overflowing into our family time together. So the fact is, where you are today and where I am today is directly related to the life choices that we've made up until this point. The good, the unintentional, the bad decisions. We don't arrive at a particular place disconnected from what has come before. And so looking forward, where do you want to be? Where do you want Richmond to be? The answers to these questions should inform the choices that we're making right now. Because the choices we're making now about the kind of community that we want Richmond to be will shape what the community's like in a year, in five years, and in 25 years. So if we look forward, what practices, rhythms, and choices in your life that are in your life now mean that you will be in exactly the same place you are in 10 years' time, or perhaps even in a worse place? What, what needs to shift? If where you want to be is more centred on Jesus and more in tune with the Spirit... What practices do you need to start? For example, when was the last time you put aside time in your week to spend time with God? If we're honest, and if I'm honest, I can spend an hour scrolling on social media a day but can't find 10 minutes in my week to pause and to listen. It's pretty crazy. So how are you... And then how are we as a community taking responsibility for this? Like, sure, some of us can get up here and preach and teach about it all we want, but how are you taking hold of our values and taking hold of us becoming this kind of a community? I want to say this, you don't need permission. You don't need our permission to join in on this. If you think that's the kind of church that I would like to be a part of, how are you going to contribute to making it happen? How are you going to contribute to us being more centred on Jesus, to celebrating the life and the hope that we have in him, of being more directed by the Bible, not just on Sundays? I have a few ideas about this, and I think the pastoral team has a few ideas about this as well, but really, this is on all of us. So your ideas matter too. And if you have ideas about how we could be doing this, we would love to hear them. So please come talk with us. Uh, But a couple of ideas for me to get us started. 
You've likely heard us say before that this plays out in the rhythms of our big family gatherings on a Sunday, what we're doing today, in our gospel groups, and also in one-to-one Bible reading. This is where the rubber hits the road. I don't think I'm saying anything particularly special or outrageous or surprising if I tell you that the Bible can be a tough book to read and that the Christian faith can be really tough to walk out on your own. So don't do it alone. It's pretty simple. Don't do it by yourself. Come on a Sunday morning with a posture ready to listen and to learn and to participate. Don't just come for the community, which is wonderful, and we're looking at that next week, and it's not an either-or thing. But we want to gather and come expectant to hear from the Holy Spirit to hear God's word, to worship King Jesus, and to be challenged about how we're living our lives. What does it look like for you to come ready to hear from God each Sunday? Does it mean taking notes like Carl does each week? And every time I preach, he comes up to me and shows me one side of his piece of paper that has his to-do list, and the other side that has his notes from the sermon. Now, that might not work for you, but what is it that would help you come with a posture that is ready to listen? Perhaps it means putting your phone in the bottom of your bag or not bringing it in with you if that's going to be a distraction. But what is it in your posture and your attitude that needs to shift in order for you to come open to hearing from God? Next thing we would ask is, are you in a gospel group? And if the answer is no, we would love for you to come and chat to us about that. But if the answer is yes... How can we use these values as a filter for what our gospel group is doing? Are you a group that is centred on Jesus? Do you open the word together? Do you worship and pray together? Do you celebrate communion? Do you encourage and challenge one another? Do you talk about the ways that you find it difficult to follow Jesus and think through what it means to follow him every day? perhaps some questions your gospel group can ask. And are you reading the Bible with someone else? Are you praying with someone else? And if not, I would simply ask, why not? There might be something to think about. And what about your own personal practices of these things? Do you make time at any point during the week to open your Bible? to pray, to worship, or to listen? Do you start your day thinking about the list of things that you need to do or centering on Jesus? Now, if you've tried reading the Bible or praying and these practices haven't worked for you and you're stuck and you need a hand getting started again or getting started for the first time, we have ideas. One of the few things that studying ministry and theology gives you is ideas about different ways to engage with the Bible and with prayer. So if there's one thing that we probably can help you with as a pastoral team, it's this. And so we would love to chat with you about it. Please come and talk to us. We want to be the kind of people, the kind of family that keeps Jesus at the centre of everything that we do, that celebrates life and hope found in him, that is directed by the Bible and that seeks to live it out, not just on a Sunday. 
We don't just do this because the trained pastors think it's a good idea or because every Christian leadership book about church says that you need to have a set of value statements. It's not the reason that we do this. If Jesus is king, then this radically reorients our life, our priorities and our choices and has profound implications for the way we live, that we relate to others and to the neighbourhood. And so I want to ask these questions again. Uh, We're going to give you a few minutes to chat with the people around you. Where do you see us living this stuff out in our community here? What does it look like in your own life and how are you contributing to it in our family? So how how do you see us living it out and how are you contributing to it? I'm going to give you a few minutes to chat uh, with those around you about some of the things we've talked about this morning.